0: Doctor, look!
1: Stand aside, nurse. I'm Doctor
2: Homebrew.
3: Hey, welcome, everybody. Dr. Homebrew. We're back here with another few beers to drink, and I think we're actually going to even be uh, talking about uh, some off-flavors again. We're going to do Brian's Off-Flavor Corner.
2: Brian's Squared. Yeah. Mm.
3: and Our uh,
4: Off-Flavor Corners...
3: Or off-flavor
2: corners, that's right. Or, or uh, off-kilter, as we because usually are. Because we are not uh,
3: <laughs> only just here to drink your beer, but we're here to talk to you about potentialities of what could possibly happen with your beer if you don't listen to us, which is really, really what the show is all about. We want you to listen to us, and, uh, you know, that's it. That's all I'm going to say about that. Before we get too far into the show, though, I want to thank our sponsor, 5 Star Chemicals. Go to 5starchemicals.com, learn about every single little thing you can do to make your beer better, which is mainly cleaning and sanitizing your home brewing equipment in that order. There is no such thing as a product that does everything as well as, excuse me, 5 Star products do step-by-step. Step. Clean, one product. Sanitize, use a different product. That's what happens. That's what professional breweries do. If you want your beer to come out tasting just as good or better, if I know some of you, um, you know, anyway, you'll, you'll, you'll do what I say. And really, it's just regurgitating what Five Star says. So check them out, 5starchemicals.com. Brian Cooper, Brian Shaw, how you guys doing, man? You guys doing all right? <laughs>
2: while we're surviving the, the fires have are still burning very near here but uh, the smoke went away i didn't think i was going to be able to sit outside in my normal Hang out here and, and uh, in your office, have a kid, you know. Yeah, my office. Whoa.
3: Yeah, the smoke has been terrible. And today's the first day that I, I'm able to see the uh, like the foothills. Like, well, I say yeah. the foothills, it makes it sound like I have a bay window exposed to the valley, but it's like mm. through, through these two houses, I can sort of see two mounds in the foothills. And uh, today was the first day I could see them in a week because of the smoke yeah. so hopefully i know the big fire near us uh brian cooper well i say near us again well it's nearer to you uh that's like 25 percent contained now which is great it was holding at 10 yeah, for a couple yeah, days so yeah.
2: it's already like the second biggest fire the state's ever had so yeah. thank you first responders you guys are uh, a lifesaver literally yeah. like it's <laughs> when you look over the hill i didn't see like flames from my area here but from parts of livermore you could see flames over you know down mines road it's just I, yes. mean, I think they're doing preventative burning to keep it from crossing over that and threatening our city so yeah you know thank you to all, all of them that they're working on that
3: like brian char how how is that smoke out yeah. in martinez uh, because you're closer to the vacaville fires we're like surrounded yeah, I, by fires
2: right now yeah we're
4: like what 18 20 miles from the fairfield vacaville fires mm-hmm. uh It was pretty, it's been pretty smoky off and on for a few days, but yeah, like Brian was saying, I think it's just under containment enough now. And the winds are just right that rather than being like a hundred degrees and smoky and having to have all the fans on in the apartment and just blowing the smoke all through, it's actually been pretty nice today. And it's actually just without the AC being on, windows are open, it's pleasant, it's comfortable, it's not smoky. Maybe it's just blown out my uh, my nose. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe that, or I've got coronavirus yeah. and I can't smell anything.
3: Yeah. Well, was... boomer, the boomer flu. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> interesting, man. Because like don't, you know, don't
4: don't call call me a lot of things, but do not call me a boomer.
3: Well, look, man, if the uh, if the shoe fits, you want to get it at
4: pay less on sale. Um, I want to I get like a stride, not the stride right. What do they call the ones that the old people like? writing uh, hush hush puppies Hush puppies. get myself some hush puppies then then i'm a boomer man it's been no no tie like velcro hush puppies man i'd be like 80 years old and loving it
3: it's been interesting you know being at home you know being confined as much as as we are which is to the extreme but you know whatever is what it is and then you have this heat wave and then you have the fires and the heat wave it was 108 degrees and smoky uh four or five days ago out here and it's like Today was the first day we could open the door and not suffocate. It was it was very bad. So, uh, well, the, so the, yeah, the white walkers
2: go are going to be knocking on your door next. So. I know, right?
3: <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we have
0: uh, we are joined by Ken. Ken, what's going on, my dude? Good evening, gentlemen. Uh, I'm hoping I don't have a smoked triple with the uh, aromas going on, and uh, <laughs> not, that is not the intended style
3: here. No, I'm I yeah. am drinking a smoked eight oh five, which is new. <laughs> Uh, I, I, I is you know uh, the uh, the beer hunter and the uh, variety. No, Ken was uh, Ken rules because Ken sent me beer this time, so I have beer to drink Ooh. along with you guys. Yeah, I'm very actually excited about that because as much fun as I like doing the show from my house, so I don't have to drive to the studio. Although I I did miss drive, I do miss driving to the studio. Uh, but spending all that time, you know, we shave like an hour and a half off the off the recording night. Um, I miss drinking the beer, and so oftentimes I'm just sitting here bored out of my mind because I can't. I can't like. I need to. I need to focus, and I can't. Ch- I can't chime in. Um, but uh, now I can engage with this Belgian triple you have sent us. Ken. I felt for you. I listened.
0: Listen to the past episode and I felt for you that you were always left out. So I thought I'd try
2: and help you out. There.
3: Thanks, <laughs> man. Yeah, I really appreciate and, it. I really appreciate and it's
2: it. It's not a not an IPA. This yeah.
3: I appreciate it's, that too. <laughs> Um, is this the first one we're going to be uh, doing here, Brian? Coop?
2: All right. Let me crack the beer is here. Okay, and, we are
3: doing this one. Right.
2: So I had a little bottle variation. and I wanted to just point to this. Oh, it's, it's uh, you know, there was one that was a little lower, and I don't know if that, you know, if something leaked or... I... Yeah, I I, uh, I anyway. all... Basically, I have all head. I've poured <laughs> nice. 100%
3: uh, foam.
2: A nice, strong hiss. And it, I, I imagine... As carbonated as the other sample was, that this might have been hard to bottle, and there there could have been uh, foaming in the. Um,
3: and the like.
2: It's the rare beer that I'll, I'll I'll pour as a judge with with a tipped glass here, so.
3: An amazing okay, here jar, no
2: doubt. Belgian triple had a really you know the first bottle had a good fill level, so I used that one to judge uh, last night when I when I worked worked on it. it. Had a nice hiss. Um, the foam started creeping up into the neck actually this one's kind of popping up a little bit but it's not as as severe as the one i judged last night so i might get some flavor variation here too Uh, so i'm gonna kind of go with it as we go along Um, in the nose it had a a peppery kind of a medium high peppery quality Uh, the fruit was fairly big as well with some bitter orange and kind of a lemon skin impression Uh, low spiciness um, and a medium low alcohol note is evident Uh, kind of a medium low perfumey and earthy and floral hop note in there I didn't get any DMS or diacetyl just a fairly clean uh, Belgian fermentation apparent Um, and there's a a fair amount of complexity there I I liked the nose um, quite a bit nose appearance wise uh it's medium gold with a fluffy white head of mostly finer and some larger bubbles um moderately uh, just moderately hazy not not super hazy a little bit of haze in there uh that, that should be cleared up for a little better appearance uh but uh you know had some some good belgian lacing um and and great head retention so you know close to full points just just cleared up a little bit and there would be full points for appearance there so um, flavor wise when I taste it it comes in with kind of a, a stronger kind of orange pith in the flavor the flavor was different than I expected from from the aroma so it changed me a little bit the pepperiness is still there but it's it's it's' A little more biting and then it's getting maybe covered up by the some of the other flavors in there kind of the um not the brighter fruit flavors but kind of slightly dulled fruit flavors uh you know yeast derived uh, fruity esters uh but but there there's something going on with them a little different in this and, and it, it's weird because it doesn't come through very much in the flavor um but it does change in the, in the or, or it doesn't come too much in the, in the nose but it does change in the flavor. So. Um, the, the alcohols are very, very firm. I thought I got just a little bit of solvent, but not, not too heavy. Um, Hmm. pretty big bitterness in there to me. And I'm not sure if that's from, uh, like the impression of bitterness from the phenols that are in there combined with something else, but it, it has the impression of some bitterness. I don't, it doesn't, it doesn't seem like a big hop bitterness, um, or like a, and obviously not a roasted malt bitterness or anything like that. But, um, and it's also got a pretty dry finish. So that kind of comes out sharply. And then, uh, you know, the alcohol is, is, is pretty, pretty evident there. Um, the phenols just seem a little harsher in the flavor, probably because of that dryness and the, um, and they're giving that, that impression. Um, the alcohol is pretty. Uh, pretty uh, in the, I'll get into the mouthfeel next, but it's, it's warm. There's, there's some, I almost thought there was something a little nutty or almond like in this or some, uh, something I was trying to get at. Like, I don't know, a marzipan almond. or something.
3: It's something cyanide odd in there. Can put cyanide, cyanide in here. We're going to die. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> Can wait for that to happen. You know, ever uh, since, ever
3: since I learned that cyanide had like an almond like uh, taste or aroma in some stupid spy movie, literally every time i taste or smell it i go well that's it something um, that's like yeah <laughs> it just i don't know it's it. weird man
2: mm-hmm. no cyanide
0: okay. I, I, i'll reveal a little early no cyanide okay. <laughs>
2: thank you right. early reveal yeah thanks man <laughs> everybody right. else stops drinking it appreciate
4: um, it um yes, like just like you, you didn't little odd in the flavor on a podcast
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> something a little odd there in the in the flavor um and it makes the, the malt taste a little grainier in the aftertaste too, kind of. This I, so I, I the get flavors a, kind of plain. I get a solventy. A odd way.
3: I can get a solventy. Yeah. It's um, to me this tastes a lot like I, I could confuse this with you adding a bunch of uh, orange blossom honey to this. Beer yeah. Where it, I mean, yeah, honey, honey, like y- maybe yeah. it could
2: be some oxidation creeping in. I don't know. But, but this bottle had a lower fill too. But the other know. one was filled up. Perfectly. So you were talking honeysuckle. I, I thought didn't you say something about the honeysuckle? Or maybe I just I, I, like marzipan or like almond-like, you know, not, something oddly nutty. But because I get not a honeysuckle, a big, it's a slow, minor note.
3: Yeah, I get a yeah. honeysuckle, and I think that sweetness combined honey. with maybe the oxidized flavors, or or I don't know, there's something that sort of combines to make it taste like orange blossom honey, which I've made yeah, a lot of beers with, bright. a lot of meads with. So I I, I guess maybe I'm that's my memory you know yeah my, my i just want memory. the
2: triples to be a little uh have a brighter fruity edge i yeah. guess bright is not really a flavor but like just a a nice clean fresher fruity fruity ester compared to what it what it's the way it's displaying here but uh mouthfeel wise i'm getting quite a substantial uh warming effect going down all the way down <laughs> into the chest it, 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 there's <laughs> definitely something hotter in there but um it doesn't seem like the alcohol level is like way off the charts. It's just, it's, it's, it's firm, but then there's a little extra and it's still warming. Uh, medium light bodied, uh, with a very, very high CO2 level. Uh, the beer's not, not creamy, but it has a, a moderate biting astringency, possibly the combination of the carbonation with the, um, the phenols in there. Um, the alcohol warmth, you know it's medium alcohol warmth i would say but just a bit hot and it comes down further because of that uh it's not overwhelming it's, it's just there and you notice it and, and it, it warms you up a little bit uh usually you know this uh, a triple should be a little more deceptive <laughs> but uh the overall impression it really had a nice promising aroma i liked that it turned slightly more harsh and odd in the flavor the mouthfeel um just not as smooth and and uh Tricky of a beer is I hope I had nice complexity, but it, it wasn't um, like the, the kind of beer is like, okay, you take a sip, it's like, oh, there's a little alcohol in there. And then you finish the glass and you're like, whoa, there was a lot more
1: alcohol in there than I
2: thought. <laughs> um, you know, the, the alcohol makes itself very, very well evident, very well known here. So I got to work on hiding that to have a more uh, uh, enjoyable balance, triple. And, and figure out a way to kind of brighten up the, the, the estuary flavors. I don't know if there is some oxidation cre- creeping in here or if it's, if it's changed over time a little bit, but um, yeah, the orange does take a, a twist to that kind of pithiness in the flavor. And I suspect with that honeysuckle kind of honey, like flavor coming in, that's, that's probably what is playing off the nice. There are probably brighter fruit flavors earlier on in the beers life maybe, or I don't know, but um, try again. It seems like a good recipe and good ingredients, but um, I give it a 30. I thought it was, you know, it's a very good beer. It's, it just uh, needs some fine-tuning. So I'll see what Brian has to say about it as well, and, and we'll, we'll discuss, and then we'll talk about your recipe. I'm interested to hear what you put in it.
4: All right, Brian Shar. All right, Ken, uh, I have to ask you the question I have to ask everybody. Are you in a homebrew club?
0: I am. I'm in the uh, Royal Area Homebrew Club. We don't have any fun acronym or name or something like that, so it's very generic. But, uh, yeah, we're uh, about 30 pretty active members in the club right now.
4: Oh, nice. That's, that's really a good size because yeah, yeah. that's enough to do different things, but it's not so big as to get unwieldy. So yeah, pretty cool. And, uh, I will have to share with everyone for the sake of homebrew con that shall not be, uh, I'm drinking your beer out of a homebrew con 2019 yeah, nice. Providence, Rhode Island, uh, tasting glass. So go, oh, go AHA. Uh, if you're not a member of the AHA and listening to the show, you probably would want to be a member of the AHA. So go ahead and do it. Uh, there, we got the plug. Okay, homebrew clubs, AHA plug. All right, let's talk about your beer. Uh, I like this beer. Uh, you know, talking about the bottle, I didn't look at both bottles. I pulled one out of the fridge uh, of the two that you had sent. Uh, it had a, a good fill, it was appropriate, the fill level, everything else. So I just X'd that uh, out there. I did notice that this isn't an effervescent beer, but it did. The, the head came up in the glass a lot more than I'd expect even an effervescent beer to have. But I didn't have the sort of creeping up the neck that Brian did in, in my sample. Maybe I just wasn't sitting there watching it enough. But when I think about the ones that creep up the neck, you can go and drink half a pint and come back. And there's like a bunch of beer on the sink because it came up out of the neck. And this this didn't have, my, my bottle didn't have that. Uh, aroma? Uh, I thought the aroma was kind of lower overall than expected. Uh, I thought initially it was because when I, I judged this, it was pretty much right out of the refrigerator, but I came back to it a few minutes ago after it had warmed up for about an hour, and it was still maybe not quite as much of an aroma as I had, had expected. Again, Maybe I'm just a little bit stuffed up from the, the fires or something, but it, it didn't seem like it was as large as I, I would want from a triple. It doesn't have to be gigantic, but I just wanted a little bit a little bit more. Uh, low to medium malt uh, got a little bit of uh, berry-type character from fermentation. There is that kind of distinct fruity ester Belgian yeast fermentation smell, and that's, it definitely has this, uh, along with that spicy phenol that you get from the, the Belgian-slash-Trappist yeast at a low level. No hop aromas, no off aromas. Gave it 7 out of 12. Uh, Appearance, 3 out of 3. Uh, Very large head. It is persistent, which is great. It's very white, too. Uh, It's an achievement to get homebrew uh, uh, head on that beer to be as white as that is. Uh, Clear with a very slight haze. I note that the uh, style guidelines uh, mention this beer has good clarity. And no, <laughs> it's it. I guess it does have good clarity, but you know, good is never a descriptor one should use on a, on a score sheet, even if it's in the style guidelines. Colors medium gold. So, yeah, three out of three for appearance. Flavor uh, initially, flavor is medium uh, sort of malt sweetness. I get sort of a Pilsner malt character from that. Uh, low phenol spice and kind of a medium uh, berry ester come up next. Uh, bitterness. Kind of just barely balances the malt, which is what you expect from from this beer. Um, I get a low spice. The spice character could as easily be the uh, the ethanol, because I don't get fusels in this beer at all. This is a high alcohol beer, but you don't get the harsh high. You don't get harsh high alcohol in this one. What you get is ethanol, which can, to me, come across sometimes a little sweet. Sometimes a little spicy. It kind of has, to me, both characters when it's it's clean ethanol. Uh, w- very well attenuated, which is great. I'll be curious to hear what your your OG and your final gravity were. But it, it drinks well attenuated. Balances to malt. There's no hop flavor. Uh, and the finish is kind of a long malty, uh, with, with some spice and, and fruit in there. But... Uh, As it warms up, I did get a little something, maybe excessively sweet in the finish, but it doesn't taste under attenuated. So I'm going with that being the ethanol. Uh, So I gave it 13 out of 20 on flavor. Mouthfeel five out of five, carbonation is high. This is supposed to be a highly carbonated beer, and it is. Uh, That's partly what causes the huge head. Low warming, uh, creamy, not astringent. You know, it's, everything about the mouthfeel is good. Overall impression seven for a, uh, a 35 out of 50 total score. Uh, I really like this beer. Uh, I love the dryness and I love just how clean it is. Uh, I might like just a little more spice and fruit complexity. And I've kind of wondered, even though mine didn't gush, the fact that Brian had a little foam creep up into the neck makes me wonder, uh, if maybe there was some kind of wild yeast that got in here, even at kind of a low level, uh, maybe very late in the process, because that might explain why the uh, such a giant head, Just even though effervescence alone doesn't necessarily cause that. And it might explain why the aroma and the flavor maybe aren't quite where I expected them to be, because that's the type of thing that the wild yeast are gonna chew up to just create uh, uh foam and carbonation
2: so a so good level of sediment <clears throat> sediment down yeah. at the bottom too so I think this is bottle conditioned
4: yeah so it wasn't like it went and I'll be curious i this is, I agree with you it just didn't look like one that was put into the bottle you know from a keg you know five days ago or something <laughs> but yeah overall 35 out of 50 i I enjoyed it and I will drink more while we uh hear all about this beer
3: excellent Ken. What do you think, yes. man?
0: So the the beer that I'm trying to... Um, we're trying to work around in this is a beer that we had in Bruges called Stamadahare. Um, I'll send you guys a little link there if you guys want to look at what I'm talking. But um, the trick on this beer is there's a head on this beer that lasts forever. So this is this is the actual glass that they serve it in. Oh, wow. Yeah. So there'll be a good two-inch glass on there that will stick around for 10 minutes. But it's not... Extremely, car- I mean, it's carbonated, but not like you know, so carbonated. You know, just prickly in the tongue and craziness, and stuff like that. So we're trying to figure that out. So the the grain billness, this is this is brewed a year ago now. So this beer is a, it's been a while, been a while that we did this one. Um, so it was a twelve gallon batch, eighty um, uh, percent Castle Chateau Pilsner, twelve and a half percent raw wheat malt, uh, white wheat malt, and then seven and a half percent uh, garde Munich malt. Um, in around 152. Um, we had three ounces of sterling hops at uh, 60 minutes for 26 IBUs. And that was it. Um, and the, uh, yeast for this one was, we did the Imperial triple double, which is the West mall yeast. Um, so use that there, um, fermented from 67, I let it free rise up to 71 and kind of held it from there. Um, OG was seven, uh, 1076. The final gravity was 1016 for an ABE of 7.9. Um, the original one we did, so we did this one prior as well. So this is the second version. The first version we did was closer to the stamadahari that we've had before, which is, it's an 11% triple, which is extremely high, but it drinks like candy. When you go there and have it, they will serve you three and then cut you off, which is Three is probably a lot for what you do if you walk out of there stumbling after three. Yeah, man. Mm. (laughs) So, but the trick is we're trying, that's why I kind of want to see what, you know, one, this this is a lower strength version. So it's just more of a standard version triple that we did. Um, But I want to try and get your guys feedback and see what we can do to, the carbonation This is is very high. Um, So, you know, Brian, Shari mentioned about an infection. It's really more an intentional trying to get that, that carbonation up there. To try and give it that big, fluffy head that sticks around for a long time. That's what we're trying to figure out that balance between.
2: I, I'd um, say you achieved that with the head. Like both yeah. When I, I drank it last, I was just amazed how it just hung in there. there was like, It started out super dense and, and thick, and it just stayed and stayed and stayed. And I think you're getting a lot of that from the wheat and some of the other quality malts you're using, uh, put, leaving some nice proteins in there, yeah. just medium, small chain proteins, and, and uh, keeping the head up nicely. You, you achieved that.
0: Yeah, and, and I like you said, it, it was bottle-conditioned. Yeah.
2: Boy. Yeah, it may just be you know when it was fresher. I, I imagine it tasted yeah. quite, quite different and more. But I mean, these you know you can age them a little bit. But uh, yeah, year it might be getting a little long in the tooth. Getting to the
0: end, end of the yeah. line there.
2: It's you achieve what you wanted with that. I, I would um, you know, I think that the, some of the graininess and the flavor is coming from the wheat, and you might try something else in there. You know. <clears throat> i don't know maybe some some i don't know something else just to to play with i don't know if you want another um a, you know some some carapils or some uh yeah i don't know some some uh oats or something fun It just that like something to give it a little more uh protein that, that, and not have the the super grainy taste of the wheat because to me that like kind of you know it can be a little bit weedy, but it was starting to just taste kind of grainy in the aftertaste after everything went away. And it's like, okay, you know, that's that's not what I wanted in my triple, but it's good for what it is. I like it. But um, yeah. yeah, I don't know what you think, Brian.
0: Yeah, go ahead, Brian. Yeah. Ingredients-wise.
4: Yeah, ingredients-wise, yeah, I don't really have anything to add other than what, what Cooper has said. I'm just I've been kind of sitting here thinking while well, he's been talking about ingredients about fermentation temperature. And I kind of vacillate between wondering if a free rise to 71 or 72? 71, yeah. If a free free rise to 71 isn't essentially the same as setting it at 71, because you're going to rise up to 71 pretty quick. But 71 is also not super out of bounds for fermentation temperature for an ale, especially an ale like this that you want to have some yeast-based flavors from. So, and you said, how long was this in the bottle, did you say?
0: Oh, it's been in the bottle for probably close to 11 months now, 10, 11 months.
4: Yeah, I, I think that maybe some of the, some of what I, when I look at, when I think about this beer, like we were chatting earlier, like, why is it not quite the level of aroma and flavor that I would expect from a triple? And Brian talked about the gushing, and I thought, well, maybe there could be some wild yeast or something but i i don't there's no oxidation i'm not getting cardboard in this uh and i'm generally pretty sensitive to the cardboard for oxidation i see jp is kind of shaking his head a little bit uh I, I mean, it's the only what, thing what do I you can, think
3: it's the only thing i can think of with it maybe not oxidation is like with with a cardboard flavoring but it's it's it feels like the malt is browned a little bit it feels like there yeah. there is some some <laughs> fading of it feels like an older beer and look maybe yeah. it's because you know this arrived on my porch a couple days ago when it was in triple digits so maybe <laughs> maybe it's more could he- be. maybe it's more heat damage than it is oxidation oxidative but you know it's also it's a almost an eight percent beer with a lot going on so yeah. if there is cardboard you definitely could be hiding it also you know, to your point, Ken, about the uh, the carbonation. Like, I just you know topped this off, yeah, and it's the carbonation is still there, but it's not that big fluffy head that you're talking about. And when I'm pouring the beer, you know, you get a lot of those tight bubbles, but a lot of the bubbles are also very big, and then they sort of like peel away from the sides and then move towards the center. So, I, you know, I, I I think there is some sort of contaminant in there because there are sharp flavors. But other and it's sort of, I wonder if that has eroded some of the the aromatics and 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 the the actual like smoother flavors of this beer yeah. as well.
4: But yeah, JP, you know, to your yeah. point about the oxidation, yeah, that explains maybe why to me when it got a little warmer, I tasted kind of almost a honey at yeah. the very end of the flavor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's all. And you're right because it's oxidation, o- oxidation yeah. can. If it does, it, it can go to cardboard, but it can also go to honey. Mm-hmm. And I, it's not like a super big honey flavor, but there is that kind of almost honey like in the finish. And as you also point out, you know, this is it's UPS, so it got delayed by a day when it was 103 here. Yeah, and then I came home from work and it's sitting on my porch and it's 103. <laughs> yeah, uh, and it was probably on the UPS truck for days at 103. Uh, so frankly, I'm shocked that it was drinkable, much less something in the mid 30s. <laughs> yeah, we should, uh,
2: yeah, we should, we should do a graph of our scores year over year and see if there's a dip <laughs> in like in August, it's like, oh, you shouldn't yeah. have entered in August, man. Just yeah,
3: yeah. Related to the outdoor temperature for the week previous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: I did
0: see the it's temps graphic. when I shipped, I saw the temps when I shipped it out and I was like, oh, that's not going to be good. Yeah. I saw, I saw <laughs> the it's, package it's, and I was it's, like, it's still a year old though.
3: Yeah, and I was like, like "Oh, this is this is a homebrew dude. This dude is ballsy because I would never." <laughs> uh, but it is like you said, it's a year old, so there could be there's, there's an age it's too. Ball. So yeah, who knows, man? Who knows?
2: And the, yeah, so the yeast in the bottom of the bottle kicking something out a little bit. You know, I mean, the, yeah. the yeast having the bottle condition for a beer like this is great because the yeast will reabsorb if you keep it at a nice yeah. cellar temperature. Yeah. It'll you know reabsorb oxygen and, and keep it nice for longer. But uh, at a certain point, you yeah. You just can't push it that hard, yeah. 102. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I would try. Maybe, you know, you could try a version of this too with uh, a little stronger and with just the Pilsner malt, you know, and, and or less of the wheat because the, the wheat's doing its job, but, and you know, you want that head. But, you know, traditionally, I'm, I was trying to think of other things you could add. I mean, re- re- traditionally, it's mostly just, you know, it's not like you're using like, a really solid Pilsner malt. And that that's, you know, those flavors are going to come through more fully if you, if you just use that and a little less sweet, maybe. Right.
3: Sounds good. Ken, what do you think? Anything else? Oh, did you give us think- the recipe? Yes, he did. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he okay, did. what was I doing? Jesus Christ! <laughs> I'm like, I, I get absorbed in the chat sometimes. I'm like looking to see if anybody's chatting anything, and I just tune out for thirty seconds or whatever. You so were drinking eight percent beer. That. Wait, there's well, people also in the that. chat. Well, it's mainly me saying hi, and oh. no one responding. So. <laughs> uh, all right, Ken Wolf, well, that's it, man. We'll let you go.
0: Thank you, guys. Cool. Uh, stay safe out there. All right, thanks,
3: man. Yeah,
1: awesome. nice thanks, Ken. You too. Beer. Yeah. Cheers, Cheers, guys. We'll see you on the next
0: Cheers. show.
1: <laughs>
3: That's cool. All right, we're going to take a quick break, everybody, and we're going to come back and we're going to talk. Uh, we're going to be discussing. Uh, what are we discussing, Brian
4: Schar, I believe it is. Uh, yes, we are drinking a blonde ale
2: after the break. Oh, that's the next show, actually.
4: The next show. Oh, what that's are we the...
2: drinking after the break? Well, you had an idea. Spoiler alert. Can talk about
4: Brian Shar. Oh yeah. oh yeah, we're just talking about stuff after the break. Off flavors, I believe. Okay, I appreciate that.
3: All right, everyone, uh, stay tuned. This is Dr. Homebrew, and we will be right back.
1: Now, back to the examination.
3: Hey everybody welcome back thanks for hanging on with us thanks to ken for sending his belt to triple and then now we're going to hear from the lovely brian Shar about <laughs> off flavors anything well, what specifically I, brian Shar?
4: well uh you know I, I appreciate i was a little bit thrown by you referring to me as lovely no. uh but that is a lovely sentiment so yeah. thank you very much well, uh, cool.
3: sorry to make you horny before talking <laughs>
4: Well, I don't know that you can – well, let's yeah. not talk – let's yeah, not go, let's into go that ahead. Uh, uh, yeah. um, so the, um, we've talked about off-flavors on the show before. We've had Brian's off-flavor corner, and we're going to have Brian's off-flavor corners today. Uh, and we've talked about some of the common ones, you know, the uh, the diacetals and the, the DMSs and things like that. Uh, and I think that we wanted to talk about some of the ones that – might be a little more obscure, but ones that still do come up in the course of uh, of judging. And I will lead off with a, a anecdote from the very first time I ever judged homebrew uh, at the old Golden Pacific in uh, Berkeley, which is now Trumer Pills, but uh, Golden Pacific had everybody. I believe you know, forget the competition even. Uh, but they had like a rabbit war in a little rooms and they put like four judges in each room. And I got to judge barley wine for my very first time ever judging homebrew. And there were like nine barley wines and we're me and my judging partner, we're tasting ours. And the other two people at the table a different team and they're judging something else. And I hear one of them say to the other, after they've judged a beer and still judging a different one, one says to the other judge, uh, I taste rosemary and dirt. Hmm. Uh, and we both, the guy I was judging with, and I looked at each other and we both pretty much in unison turned to the other to the side and said, save us some of that. Because it just sounded so weird and obscure that I wanted to taste like, A, what a beer that tasted like rosemary and dirt tasted like. Is that really what it tasted like? And B, just how the heck did it get that way? And how do you stop that? <laughs> right. And, uh, that's that's definitely, I mean, rosemary can be pleasant if it's intentional. Uh, dirt is never really going to be pleasant unless you're like two. Uh, and even then, it's probably not pleasant. It's probably just pica and being two years old. Uh, but dirt, something that tastes like dirt, is uh, uh, definitely mold. Hmm. And that's something that can occur in beers that you're aging. Uh, it's not that common,
2: Usually uh, fr- with the with the oxygen presence, you know, but uh, in a sealed bottle, you would think it would be a lot less common.
4: <laughs> well, kind of what I think had happened, and as to to my guess uh, as to this one anyway, is that a barley wine is often something that, especially back in the day, something that somebody might be aging in a carboy or in a five gallon bucket, and it might be sitting there for months before it gets bottled. Oh, and that's I, for I, I sure. agree with you. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, sorry, JP. I, I, just I didn't for
3: sure that's all. I agree with yeah. you. Yeah, hundred percent. Yes, a carboy, a plastic bucket, more likely than not.
4: Right. You know? yeah. 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 And it's a thing. And if you're thinking, oh, I'm going to age this, then you also have the side benefit of postponing having to bottle a case or two or four of bottles. Uh, and I agree with you, uh, Cooper, that if if you're if it's in a, a sealed bottle, you're not. Mold isn't going to be much of a concern. Uh, but if you're in a, a carboy or a five-gallon bucket, you know, especially if you're opening it up from time to time to test where you are with gravity, you can get mold spores in there, especially if you're storing that beer in a basement or basement-like area where you're going to have mold tend to grow anyway. So that's, that was kind of my opinion as to where that had come from.
2: Well, now the, the rosemary and dirt, you would you think, okay, those are very distinct flavors, but anything that has mold and it you would also think might have a, a real musty cellar like flavor too. Um, and a you know a barley wine is a pretty hoppy beer i would say that uh, you know for when, in a young in its younger fresher uh, uh, flavors and and some of the some of the dank hops uh, can, you know can be just you know marijuana like hops can be described as minty or th- rosemary or thyme so like there could be you know and earthiness too is another uh, you know soil josemin is, is another uh, hop derived flavor that can come out. In some beers more than others, just with with certain hops that throw that. But I would think in an aged barley wine, that might be more prone to aging out and not really being there anymore. But just to play the devil's advocate and throw another angle at it, you know, I mean, we're speculating here, all of us. So,
4: Right. No, I totally agree. and We're speculating about some of the more obscure off flavors, which, by the way, you know, I happened to see the other day a Lagunitas Hi-Fi hops, which is a uh, cannabis beer. It has like, you can get it with just CBD, like five milligrams THC and some CBD or 10 milligrams of THC in a bottle. So made by Heineken, uh, of course, because you know, Heineken owns Lagunitas, uh, but they like, they like the weed in the Netherlands. So that makes a lot of sense. But I've never, I, I've, I've tasted that that home brewers have made. Where, hey, look, I put some cousin in my beer and it's, it's never good. I can't imagine this high. uh, I'm willing to try a little hi-fi hops at some point just to check it out. But that's, it's one thing if your hops have kind of a danky character, but please, for the love of God, don't, don't put the actual cousin in beer. It just never works. It's kind of by definition an off flavor. I wasn't going to talk about that, but that just kind of made me think of it.
2: Yeah. Uh, You know, there, there could be uh... (laughs) a, occasional Medi beers that aren't that bad, uh, you know? Uh,
3: yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think to, to Shar's point, it's, uh, you know, extracts versus flowers. So I think like yeah. the, the Medi not beers, maybe. like you're saying, or, or or some of these commercial examples are, are most likely not adding whole flowers to any sort of, yeah. you know, bright tank. It's probably oils or some other yeah. delivery system, you know, like that.
4: Yeah, probably some kind of distilled terpenes or whatever where they've taken the – you're not getting the green matter and anything else. So that's a couple of off flavors. One that uh, I was looking at uh, a little bit to discuss with the increasing popularity of kettle sours is the butyric acid, which you're probably not going to get too much just in regular home brewing. But uh, butyric acid is the baby vomit. Mm Mm-hmm. And you know, like, any, like anything, you know, babies are cute, innocent little creatures, and nothing that comes out of them smells quite as vile or disgusting as what comes out of a full-grown adult human. Uh, but baby vomit is still not pleasant or nice, and you certainly wouldn't want to be smelling that uh, in a beverage you're trying to drink. Uh, and the thing with the butyric acid is that it really likes the, uh, the temperatures that lacto does. So you lacto likes that. I always kind of forget. Is that like 105, 110 Fahrenheit? Kind of that, you know, 100 to 110, somewhere around there. Uh, That's the ideal temperature and the ideal environment for lacto to grow. Uh, It's also the ideal uh, temperature for the uh, bacteria that make butyric acid to grow. So there's one of the virtues of kettle souring is that you can get some sour character pretty quick in 24 hours or so, uh, boil that, or at least, in my opinion, heat it up some without fully boiling the the result. So you kill all the bacteria. And then you've got a product you can dispense out of your homebrew lines, your commercial beer lines, and not have to worry about having dedicated sour lines and infecting everything else that you're (laughs) you're pouring. Right. Uh, And I, I think that, I, I don't know the exact bacteria that causes the butyric acid, but nevertheless, Usually, having uh, said that.
2: Cl- clostridium.
4: Clostridium? Okay. Ooh, whoa. They... Thank you Brian. You busted out the microbiology here. You're uh, going to make the,
2: my, bar- uh... the Barnes guy here. Yeah, but mm. no, uh,
3: That was my clan name fl- in flavor- World of Warcraft.
2: <laughs> Flavor-wise though it's 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 pretty awful stuff. It's like baby sick, uh putrid, rancid spoiled butter yeah. or, you know, rancid spoiled milk vomit like it's yeah. it's not pretty stuff. You don't want it here no. no, you don't want to be and It does that. it does thrive at the the more acidic um uh you know, ranges of pH as well. So, yeah.
4: And I think this is one that to me just goes to just basic sanitation and, and brewing practices. I know that there's folks that love to just essentially take a handful of grain and like a homebrew level, not at a commercial level, but people that will do like a sour mash by oh' saying like, oh there's bacteria on the grain naturally I'll put the grain in and that natural bacteria, the lacto and the natural bacteria will sing kumbaya and hold hands and do some hippie shit and then we're going to have some sour beer uh and that can happen but you don't know where that grain has been and that's clostridium is if you're going to get it from somewhere they just old grain that's coming from a sack it's who knows how clean that grain is or anything else You're, you're increasing the chances of something you don't want growing at a temperature and an environment that you've designed to foster bacterial growth. So Mm. using a lacto culture, using the, uh, the good belly, any of the hundred places you can get lacto at a health food store or a homebrew store or whatever. uh, I think you're better off. Just like you would with yeast in a, a ale or a lager, you're better off controlling the bacteria you put in for kettle souring, Mm-hmm. That you are just tossing a handful of stuff in and hope it goes well.
3: Yeah. You know, the problem with, with beers that we've had, kettle sour beers, that people say, oh, this is with a good belly or whatever, it always ends up tasting like yogurt to me
4: <laughs>
3: or like probiotic yeah. drink. And I wonder if there's a difference between the, uh, the bacteria that they're using in that good belly stuff versus the bacteria that maybe you can get cultured from uh, like a white lab or something like that.
2: I mean, it's intended to, you know, populate your gut with healthy cultures as opposed to ferment beer. So, yeah. Or, or taste. So it,
3: it always That's ends right.
2: up
0: tasting
3: that kind of like chalky, you know, I don't know. It's just it's like, oh, I'm drinking. I'm drinking yogurt that or like, uh, you know, uh, Activia or
1: whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know.
4: Yeah. A, so the, the recent I've heard people do that and it was on yeah. one of the other Brewing Network shows and I can't remember if it's Brew Strong or Sour Hour or which one. Where they were, discuss- some brewer was discussing using multiple strains of lacto for complexity as opposed to just a single strain. Uh, and I can believe that if you've got, you know, four different kinds of lactobacillus, because there's a whole bunch of different species of lactobacillus, yeah. you're probably going to get more complexity of flavor. Uh, but yeah, I also agree that you know, you're kind of rolling the dice when you're using a product that's intended for populating your gut rather than fermenting beer. Mm-hmm. You're never quite I don't think you'd ever be quite sure what's going to happen there.
2: No. You might look out and get a good result sometimes, you know, with the right flavor combinations of other things. Yeah. That, you know,
4: well, and to be clear, they taste,
3: you know, f- fine. They're they're drinkable, right? But Put some they fruit just fruit in there.
2: Go for a fruited yogurt beer. Yeah. But
3: there's, for, and that's just for me, like it's this under, underlying kind of yogurt thing.
4: Yeah. Now, another one that we can talk about, uh, and then we can see if we want to talk about some others or, uh, uh, possibly uh, just stop there. I'm not sure. Is it's, it's not really an off flavor to me, but an off perception. Mm. Now, okay. I learned a while back that if I'm judging a competition, one of the things they often give you to cleanse your palate are saltines. And gosh, back when I was taking the exam for the first time, we had a study group uh, in Los Altos and we probably had like 10, 15 people there And there was one night where every single beer tasted metallic. And it was almost kind of a joke because we'd go through, we'd do our score sheets, and we'd share them with each other. And every one I'd say metallic. And people were like laughing, like, why you are the only one that tastes metallic in all these? What's wrong with you? I realized it was the saltines. Because what is salt? Salt is sodium chloride. It's a metal. Uh, well, it's got a metal in it. I mean, it's not metallic Salt is a metal. Itself.
3: You heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. Salt, salt is a metal. metal. Film at 11. <laughs> yeah.
4: I'm
3: going to make my car out of salt now. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you might want to get some hardened salt on that uh, uh, head gasket or something up mm-hmm. there. It's just to yeah. be sure you don't blow anything out. No, but no, to, no. But because sodium, a component, one of the components of salt is a metal. I, I think that I'm... And I've chatted with people about this. I'm not the only person. Certainly not everyone has this perception. But be be wary if you're drinking beer and all of a sudden everything is tasting metallic and you've just had something real salty, uh, ostensibly to cleanse your palate. Or even if you're just not judging and you're at home, you're eating something salty and your beer's not tasting great, maybe you walk away from the salty uh, thing for a little while. And that probably will improve your perception and make the beer taste less metallic.
3: See, so here's here's my here's my complaint about judging. One of them, mm-hmm. anyway. And someone in the uh, actually it was Ken uh, in the chat mentioned um, that unflavored rice crackers is something he says I saw a cicerone push for cleansing the palate. And it's like you know, as beer judges and as homebrew people, we know what to do to taste or to to judge a beer properly to taste a beer fully. The saltines, that whole kind of thing, but you go to any judging event early in the morning. It's nine o'clock. They're serving you fucking orange juice. They they got everything: bagels with yeah. fucking flavored coffee. cream cheese, coffee. Yeah, coffee, and then here yeah. judge light American loggers. And I like my first one. I sat there. I was like, Are you guys fucking serious right now? Are we supposed to be able to to sort of like uh, uh, make some impactful decisions on someone's hobby? See, Brian's drinking orange juice right now um, mm. <laughs> or gravy early. I can't tell. Uh, you know, we're, we're supposed to be we're supposed to be making impactful choices on, um, on 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 people's hobbies. And we're, we're taking we're eating we're eating uh, uh, bagels with onions and we're drinking coffee and we're having cigarettes. And then we're going back to judging light. American yeah. lar- This is insane yeah. to me. It's insane.
2: Well, and the, the crackers thing, uh, as, as uh, there's an article on the I was trying to find here on the dev, uh, bgcp.org site by uh, Marilla Amato, talking about how this came about. That well, why do judges have you know crackers? And I always seek out the unsalted top saltines when I do yeah. a competition. Those are going to yeah. be a little better, but um, you know they're they're really good at cutting wine, of course, and they're yeah. salty and, yeah. they're, and they're grainy. Wine is fruity and acidic. It it, it works uh, you know, crackers, just work with wine and, and cleanse your palate. You're ready for the next, the next sample. Um, beer is, is, a, is a as the author points out in this article, you should read it. It's really good. You know, is it, is a malt-based beverage, is a grain beverage. What's, what are saltines made of grain, you know, aside from just the, you know, metallic aspect possibly from the, the sodium, but you know, um, it, it, it's maybe time to, to let go of that and find a different um you know product for cleansing the palate. Sometimes it's Although, a, just all you need to do to cleanse your 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 nose as where the most of the flavors come from other than salty, sweet, you know, etc. just smell something yeah. completely different. Cotton or you know what are your shirts made of? Mm-hmm. Smell something completely different for a second. Maybe not coffee beans but <laughs> you know
4: Well, you know, Brian, I played devil's advocate with the unsalted crackers for a minute uh because I, I think, in some ways, to me, the unsalted crackers, the graininess, kind of matches the beer enough that it doesn't take you away from the beer, and it doesn't insert, the- yeah, it doesn't insert flavors in your mouth and like, say sucking a lemon or something. Uh, kind of the reverse of what you talked about for wine, right? So maybe if you went the yeah. other way and had like some fruit or something, that would be good. From on the one hand, on the other hand, that's going to leave stuff in your mouth that's going to maybe change your ester perception. And I, I yeah. kind of, to me, I like the fact that the crackers are grainy, that beer is grainy. If they're kind of low-flavor crackers, unsalted, you're kind of getting the hops and the alcohol out. It's not the grain. And it matches the grain ingredients enough that it doesn't alter my perception of what I'm drinking afterwards.
2: Yeah. I mean, the article recommends using plain puffed rice cakes, and I think that's a good way to go because they're – it's along yeah. those lines, it's grainy, but it's not a really intense flavor. It's
4: as neutral as you can get.
2: Yeah. I yeah. mean, they use it in Bud Light, but they don't use it in most beers I drink. Yes. <laughs>
4: would, a, would a two-year-old eat it? It's probably good for palate cleansing at a competition.
2: Yeah, exactly.
4: Next we'll have steamed broccoli. Gerber
3: baby food. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Gerber judge food. All right, there. Brian, anything else?
4: Because
2: we're going to take you know, a break, if not, that and then wrap hits, it up.
4: It's the highlights of some of the obscure off flavors. Cooper, you have any thoughts?
2: I, th- I think we're coming up on uh 8 eight thirty pacific time here so it's time to start another show pretty soon
4: we're coming up Locking. on a break is what
3: you mean brian um all right I'm thanks a break. thanks a lot Shar. i appreciate it good luck god bless i don't know what i'm saying anymore <laughs> uh, we're gonna take a quick break everybody hang on we'll be right back
1: hello fellow BNers. this is sully from the 21st amendment brewery located in san francisco just two blocks from giants park
3: The leader in affordable, high-quality kegerators is here. Introducing Comos, the kegerator designed with serious beer drinkers in mind. It features an all-stainless steel draft tower, a major upgrade over traditional chrome-plated brass towers, and Comos keeps your new tower cold with their air-cooled tower fan, wrapping your beer lines in frigid coolness. Your beer is poured from innovative forward-sealing faucets that don't leak, so they stay cleaner for longer. Dual gas inlets on the rear of the fridge allow you to run both CO2 and nitrogen gas. Serve your beer with CO2, Serve your kegged wine or even cocktails with nitrogen. The digital temperature display has the largest range available, allowing you to use the Comos Kegerator for fermentation if you need to. And now Comos Kegerators ship with duotide draft fittings for that click-to-connect assembly we've all dreamed of. Buy direct from ComosDraft.com and receive free shipping on your order. That's K-O-M-O-S Draft.com.
1: Number one eighty nine, number one eighty nine to the counter, please.
3: Now back to Doctor Homebrew. All right, thanks a lot for hanging with us, everybody. Doctor Homebrew, we're about to wrap things up. I want to thank Ken very much for his Belgian triple, or is it tripel? I don't know. I remember being a uh, an up and coming homebrewer, and like you still have to figure out how to pronounce this shit. And it's like you know. At least, it's just weird. So I heard people say triple or triple. And then you just feel like an idiot, so then you don't even say the word anymore. That's what it's I like to say about that.
2: It's actually triple, you idiot.
3: Damn it. The mm, T is triple. silent. Yeah, it's just Let's ripple. Let's triple down on that. Let's do that. <laughs> it's ripple, the T silent. Mm. Um, all right. Yeah, thanks. And uh, thanks, Shar for the uh, the off flavors talk. I think we should do more. Uh, the chat on Facebook was uh, suggesting some. So maybe we can, uh, oh. you know, archive that and maybe oniony, I think, was one and all sorts Ooh. of fun stuff like that, too.
4: Don't and, use Summit Hops. That takes care of your <laughs> yeah. problem. Well, You're you know good. what? I C-C-C.
3: thought I thought maybe we can get into at some point uh, maybe how to do hop selection as a home brewer. To avoid off flavors, yeah. because sometimes as a homebrew you order two ounces from the the homebrew shop, and it's like, well, that's just it's what you get. It is what it is. Yeah,
2: but or what hops play m- more nicely together? And, yeah, you know, yeah. There's variation within just the hop, but you know, what's gonna play nicely with a CTZ versus a uh, you know, cashmere or, or Columbus or what you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. and we, well, could Nate, we could bring
3: Nate. We could bring Nate back on, and uh, we need you know, Nate. Yeah. yeah, we need Nate for that. that so maybe awesome. maybe we'll do that next month.
4: What do you think? All
3: right. Anyway, cool. thanks. If, he, if he'll
4: do it, I'm not gonna social distance from Nate. I'm gonna hang out with Nate wherever he. I'm gonna go to his house. <laughs> gonna like go to his house out, like two feet away. Yeah.
3: Well, you would do that. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks a lot again. I really appreciate it. Um, have fun. Be safe. Wear a mask. Please social Call mother, distance.
2: Call uh, your friends. Help old ladies across the street, but from a six foot distance. Yeah. Masks.
3: Basically, you just push them with a big push broom across the street. Yeah. And don't touch them. Don't touch anybody. Stop touching people. And uh, I really appreciate it. If you want to send beer into the show, brian at thebrewingnetwork.com. We need some beers. We need you. We need you to send in beers. And uh, that's it. All right, everybody. Thanks a lot. We'll see you later. Cheers.